Hi, it's Matt. Just before we start the show, I want to tell you about a great live event I've got coming up on the 27th of March. To celebrate 600 episodes of Recruiting Future, I'm going to be hosting a live Ask Me Anything webinar. This is your chance to pick my brain on anything you like, including market trends and predictions, the impact of AI on recruiting, skills-based hiring, the changing role of recruiters, podcasting tips, or even my favourite Scottish tourist destinations and whiskies. Literally, ask me anything. I'll also be joined by some surprise special guests who'll be adding their perspectives to the conversation. You can sign up now by going to mattalder.me slash AMA. That's mattalder.me slash AMA. And I really look forward to seeing you there. That web address one last time. mattalder.me slash AMA. Support for this podcast is provided by SHL. From talent acquisition to talent management, SHL Solutions provides your organisation with the power and scale to build your business with the skilled, motivated and energised workforce you need. SHL takes the guesswork out of growing a talented team by helping you match the right people to the right moments with simplicity and speed. They equip recruiters and leaders with people insights at an organisation, team and individual level, accelerating growth, decision-making, talent mobility and inspiring an inclusive culture. To build a future where businesses thrive because their people thrive, visit shl.com to learn more. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 463 of the Recruiting Future podcast. With continuing skill shortages and massive disruption to how and where work is done, it's not surprising to see innovation as employers start to think differently about talent. Fractional hiring is rising and has some significant benefits to employers and employees. But what is it? How does it work? And how's it different from traditional interim and contract hiring? My guest this week is Matt Widows, CEO of Maven. Maven is a globally dispersed network of specialised former growth leaders at iconic tech brands who work fractionally. And Matt has some unique insights to share on this growing trend. Hi, Matt, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Please, could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Sure. I'm CEO of Maven. Um, we're a network of senior leaders from the fastest growing companies in tech, and we kind of validate and grow startups from Series A to C. Um, and you know, previously, I led all of the marketing operations and media buying for a video game company called King, which makes Candy Crush and a bunch of other games. And then prior to that was at Zynga and Intuit and Red Bull and a bunch of other companies. So happy to be on today. Fantastic stuff. Well, it's a pleasure to speak to you. And you've got a you know, kind of really interesting story in terms of, of what you've done and in terms of in terms of what you do. 
tell us about your sort of involvement with recruiting and the the, the talent market. Yeah, I mean, you know, recruiting is core to kind of um, growth, right? So yeah, at the end of the day, when you take a look at a company, they've got kind of three key elements. You've got the idea, you've got the funding, and then you've got the people. So, you know, anytime somebody's trying to raise money, it's almost always going to the people. And so we kind of take a unique approach to it where it is important for us to bring in the right level of specialization when needed. And so we bring in a bunch of fractional specialists. Um, so we hire a, a largely probably call it 60, 70% of our team is fractional. And then the rest is relied on um, full-time employees. And so that's a little bit different than uh, traditional companies. want to talk sort of in depth about the fractional part of your business and um, fractional hiring in general. Before we do though, give us your sense about what you see happening in the market as far as talent's concerned at the moment, because it's a, it's a bit of a confusing picture. There's lots of things going on. What are you, what are you seeing with the, the organizations that you're working with? Yeah, I think it varies. And there's been a lot of um, kind of up and down over the last two years. I think what I see most often as kind of the common theme is that the best of the best are still very much in demand and, and hard to find. I see a lot of companies kind of, we've seen some layoffs, but I think a lot of companies are kind of in a holding pattern and many employees are too. So I think there's less people willing to take a jump right now, switching careers because they're trying to figure out what what the next six months hold. Um, but I think um, when you look fractionally, the, the picture is very different. Let's talk about that because there will be people listening who've not heard of or come across fractional hiring before. What is fractional hiring and, and why is it? Why, why do you believe it's needed? Well, I think in short, all companies would benefit from specialized talent and not all companies can afford specialized talent or not all companies have a full-time role for specialists. And so they often end up hiring generalists and they get hit from both sides or they go and hire a full-time specialist only to find that after the first nine months, they're kind of not exactly sure what that person's going to work on next. The person's not really sure. And you don't want to just let these people go. It's a huge problem, both culturally and just long-term for the business. And so you end up, especially at larger companies, seeing a lot of specialists that kind of came in for six months to 18 months worth of work, but they've been there for five years and they're kind of plodding along and, and finding things to work on to be productive. But ultimately, it's um, super inefficient use of their time and, and uh, the company's resources. And so, fractional hiring allows you to bring in people for specific projects that have deep expertise in that area. You can think of this even consultants and stuff like that or would, would kind of fall into that camp and um, leverage that person or their team for a kind of finite amount of time to deliver against the goals that are needed at that time for the company and then turn off those resources and maybe turn them back on in a year or maybe leave them off um, because you've essentially solved what you what you set out to solve. And I suppose to dive a bit deeper into that, because I'm interested in it from the perspective of the organizations, but also from the perspective of the, of the, of the talent and, and in terms of people's careers, tell us more about why this is good for organizations and, and um, you know, how it works. Yeah, I mean, it's when you look at it from the kind of the perspective of the organization, as well as from the person itself, the, from the person's perspective, they can get, you know, multiple years worth of experience in one year having worked on a similar project at similar companies all at once. So take any specialist that comes into an organization and is typically hired to do the same thing they've done over the last 15 years at, you know, a handful of other companies, their playbook and their kind of 
approach to solving the same problem typically looks about the same. And so you also see that, you know, in the first nine months of somebody being in a role, you're getting about 80% of the value there. And so for the person, what we found is, you know, the top half a percent of talent, people who have deep expertise in their area of specialization, they often are bored at work, they're often underutilized, they can impact more than one company at a time positively. And so going fractional allows people to spread their kind of impact. And, you know, it's more rewarding for somebody to say, hey, I've worked, I did the same thing three times at three different companies versus one time at one company and then spent the rest of my time in meetings or kind of filling my time as best as I could because I, I want to, you know, show that I'm being productive. And then on the, on the customer side or on the business side, you get this ability to have really high quality, in-depth kind of infrastructure built out or have things built in a way that's best in class, that's been informed by specialists across every function of whatever that project might be without having to carry that long-term overhead of, you know, a dozen full-time specialists. You can do that fractionally at the cost of maybe two generalists. And when sort of people are working fractionally, they there sort of for the, for, for the long-term, is that, is that sort of how, it, um, how, how you see it working? I think it depends. I think if you're talking about one-off projects, they just kind of come and go. But I think what we see is this really strong desire for, again, that kind of top echelon of talent, the top half a percent of talent, where they are invigorated and excited about being able to impact multiple companies at once. They get to maybe play their hand a little bit in gaming or in direct-to-consumer or B2B, and they're getting a, a better sense of the areas that maybe they'd like to move their career without having to make a full-time commitment. And then on the client side um, or at the company level, sometimes you do have somebody who's kind of in the wings and you're able to say, hey, great, we're no longer having to carry the cost of that downtime because we just kind of use this person as needed and that actually ends up being 10 hours every week for the next five years. Or maybe it just comes in these fits and spurts where they're in for a very specific six-month project out while the rest of the company builds the other supporting infrastructure and then back in for another six months once the company's caught up versus the traditional model where for those six months where the company's catching up, that person's kind of twiddling their thumbs or kind of walking around the machine and seeing minor areas where they can add value. In terms of making this work, what are the barriers? What kind of mindset shift do organizations need to go through to sort of fully, uh, you know, really fully get the benefit of of this way of working? Well, I think first and foremost, it's uh, transparency with data. I think you see this a lot when companies bring in um, outside consultants or they bring in, particularly with agencies, is you typically hoard a bunch of data. You don't really expose what you're working on. You you very rarely laying out your 18-month blueprints or opening up various elements of data to that person. It's kind of on a um, need-to-know basis only. And so much of that stuff is important uh, when somebody's building something where they say, oh, well, if I had known you were working towards this end goal, I would have actually built it totally different. But because you hid that from me, I, I built it with a shorter time frame or with a totally different perspective in mind. So I think first and foremost, an organization's willingness and ability to share data and context freely is is really big. And I'm not I'm not sure, you know, it's funny how that happens because sometimes people say, well, this person's not a full-time hire. If they were full-time, we would expose those things. Yet that person might be on for 
12 to 18 months. And it's not uncommon for a full-time person to leave after 18 months um, themselves. So you're never really getting that protection internally, whether you, whether you like it or not. And people also talk at, at cocktail parties. So, you know, I can't count the number of times where I've been told about something happening at a company that somebody's working on that is meant to be kept internal or secret because it's just interesting and that's how the world works. People do talk and so you kind of can't get around that. But I think I think that's one and I think if I had to choose a second, it would be this acceptance that growth within your company happens because a number of different things are happen are, are happening at the same time at a high level of quality. And so this kind of shift that growth mindset is really the kind of job or responsibility of everybody within the org versus just a few departments like sales or product or marketing. And so that's what we typically are looking at on our side or companies that are looking to uh, either continue uh, a period of explosive growth or, or kick one off. A quick message from our sponsor, Winolo. Hi, everyone. I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W-O-N-O-L-O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over 100 markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com pod. That's www.wonolo.com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers. And has the pandemic influenced this at all? Is it has it accelerated the the, the move towards the, the this this way of thinking about talent? I think it has. I think um, the decentralization, the ability for people to work anywhere. You know, it's funny pre-pandemic, the idea that your entire company could not come into the office was kind of insane. And I think it works because everybody's on a level playing field. And I think if you take a traditional role like sales, you would actually be at a huge disadvantage if your salespeople could not travel to meet with clients and things like that. But when everybody's on an equal footing and nobody's traveling, then, you know, it's kind of a what's called a red queen's race where everything's moving at the same speed. And so, I think it has. And I think that the willingness and desire, I think it's it's shown to the talent market that you also don't have to be internal um, physically in a, in a building to drive value. And it seems so obvious looking, you know, back. And I think many people had that inclination, but it's hard to get people over that mental hump of why aren't, you know, I'm, I'm paying for you to be in the office. Why aren't you in the office? So yeah, I think for sure, um, this has accelerated it by more than, um, two X. And what type of roles does this work for? Or what type of roles does this not work for? I suppose. It's a good question. I think it depends on the person and I think it depends a, a little bit on the company. Um, we've got people who've worked with us full time for over two years that I've never met in person. I've never physically been in front of them. And so, um, I, I think it by and large really boils down to the individual and, and, um, the company. So I know that's not a super satisfying answer, but my, my sense is that it, it could and should work for, 
for every role. I, I suppose, how does this help or work from a hiring perspective in terms of people, you know, identifying those sort of top echelons of talent and, um, you know, specialists to, to work with or, or people who are willing to, to work this way? Well, I think if you if you want to hire the best people in the world, you have to be willing to hire all over the world. And so not everybody's going to be within a 20-minute, you know, commute of your offices in London or San Francisco or Tokyo or insert any city. And so this you know, approach opens up the talent pool to truly be global. It allows people to hire with a focus on on quality and less about around geography. And you know, there are nuances where you do have to think about wh- what what time zone do we does the company typically operate in, and is that person willing and able to kind of overlap at least with those? Maybe not complete alignment, but but having some some clear office hours that overlap because meetings are still necessary and and the face-to-face communication, even if it's over Zoom, is still important. But I think it just wildly opens up the pool of candidates when you compare it to looking for somebody just in your major city. Obviously, this is going to vary from person to person and from role to role and organization to organization. But I just want to give people a sense of how this might be different to sort of traditional contracting and and those kind of things in terms of, you know, how many fractional roles do you think it's realistic for one person to have at any one time in, you know, to sort of maintain that deep dive into organizations and and make that long-term difference? Well, to your point, it does vary based on the organization, but in many ways, it's not dissimilar to how you would build an internal team. So you still need a project manager. You still need somebody who's owning that portion of the business. So if we take a traditional company who maybe has a, let's let's take a traditional startup that maybe has a head of marketing or somebody who's a really strong generalist, and they also have a head of product who's a really strong generalist in product. And we see this all the time, particularly with companies of say less than a dozen full-time employees. Well, that head of marketing still has a number of needs that that they're not going to be well suited for as a generalist. And it depends on that person, but there's going to be you know, from all of the creative production and all of the consumer insight stuff down to the user acquisition and the ad creation and the data and analytics tied to user acquisition to the on-page conversion rate optimization or SEO or any number of things on the content side and social down to lifecycle. So email, push, SMS, all of those things and the writing out of those and the scheduling of those and all of the automation workflows that are tied to that down to the data and analytics and the structural stuff that has to be built as well as the segmentation, all these other things you can see very quickly, you know, when you think about how companies operate at scale, particularly companies that are growing quickly, even just in a a department like marketing, there are oftentimes dozens of specialists that are needed at scale that if you were a hundred person or 200 person company that you would have those people running uh, in the org in their area of expertise. And how we're built and what we're pushing towards is that companies don't have to wait until they're 200 full-time employees to drive that. So take that same example and your question being, how many you know people can you bring in in this matter? Well, if you take that head of marketing and you say, you know, head of marketing, meet your head of consumer insights, who's fractional, maybe only a few hours a week, your head of creative, user acquisition, lifecycle, conversion rate optimization, SEO, data analytics, here's your team. They've come in and over the course of maybe three weeks, four weeks, like a normal um, full-time employee would, they've come in and taken a look at the business and they've laid out all of the areas that they see as obvious low-hanging fruit as well as some longer-term projects. They've presented that to you. You've greenlit and earmarked the ones that make most sense now, knowing what you know about the organization internally and what your goals are. And then they get to work. And so you can have a situation 
where for the cost of one additional generalist, you've actually got dozens of specialists working in their discrete areas of specialization and expertise, building infrastructure and initial, you know, essentially building out the initial infrastructure to be built for scale with a high quality of, of work because they know exactly what they're doing in that area versus having your generalist do it who's making lots of mistakes across every single area because they're not specialists. And so I think traditionally companies have seen that as something they have to wait for. And by leveraging fractional talent, if you're using really high skilled quality performers in each seat, you don't have to wait for that. And you can have the same impact early as as much later stage companies have. So that makes perfect sense. And I can see how, you know, lots of companies would benefit from that. And, uh, you know, it kind of really makes sense as a, as a very sort of flexible way of companies sort of building and, and scaling. To finish with a, a slightly more general question, obviously, everything that's happened in the last sort of two or three years has really kind of accelerated change at work. And I think we're all looking to the future and wondering what work will look like in five years time, you know, what kind of mix of types of workers you'll have in businesses and those those kind of things. What do you think the future of work looks like? Operationally, I think it, it, we start to probably shift back more towards people coming in the office. And we're starting, we're starting to see that now with a number of companies. And I think better prepared if for some reason people needed to go remote again than, than we've ever been. So I, I do think we'll see a shift back towards inner office work. I also think that there are some people where the, the switch has been flipped and they will no longer be willing to um, be in the office five days a week. And that's just something that they're going to expect. I also think, you know, there's been a lot of talk around four-day work weeks and shortened work weeks and whether or not eight hours a day, five days a week, or 10 hours or 12 hours a day, five days a week for that matter, is really the optimal approach and structure. And so, I do think that we'll see more and more companies shifting towards maybe not a four-day work week, but a unique kind of a more unique structure than what we've tr- traditionally seen to offer their employees flexibility and um, if nothing else, the ability to get work done uh, on their own time. So back to that previous point of somebody being in a different time zone, we don't need everybody to be in the exact same time zone. We do need some overlap so that we can have some um, non, we can essentially have synchronous communication around certain things, but so much of work happens away from the meeting that um, I, I think we'll just start to see more and more flexibility there generally. Matt, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you for having me. My thanks to Matt. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit 
its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change Podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.